Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for that kind introduction. <laughs> he said to me, would you like me to introduce you? I said, of course. <laughs> good morning. It's so good to see you all. It's great to see you. Um, last couple of weeks, I, I'm just going to give you a bit of a recap because I've been um, speaking on the seven mountains uh, for two weeks now, and this is my third, and I, it won't be finished after today either, actually. So I'm just going to give you a little bit of a recap. And, uh, you know, before the rapture of the church, God's kingdom is going to be experienced in this earth uh, because he's coming back for a glorious church. Okay, without spot or wrinkle, he's coming back for a glorious church. And, uh, you know, he wants the people of the world to experience life here as good. He wants, to, wants people to see God's love through every part of our life. And, uh, and so, you know, Numbers 13, 21 says, As truly as I live, all the earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord. That's a cool scripture. Because all the earth will be filled with the glory of the Lord. And this means that the glory has got to be seen in every area. Every area. Not just in church. It needs to be in every area. And so uh, every nation has mountains of influence. And there are seven areas that, we, uh, that are particularly important. As you can see, I found that um, online but it's, it does depict what we're looking at. So there's media, there's family, arts and entertainment, economy, religion, education and government. So in all of those areas, God's light and God's love and God should be seen through those areas. Do you think they are being seen? Probably not at the moment. However, we are the body of Christ and we are God's children and we are, we are assigned to work with God to make a change in that area. You know, God is love. And so when every person can experience God's love through all of those mountains, then his glory will be seen. Now, his glory is his presence. And um, God's presence is to be seen on the earth. And so that means that we, as the body of Christ, are the ones to display God's unconditional love and goodness. But you know what has happened is that Satan's actually distorted those seven mountains. And the purpose of that and the lies that go with that is to distort man's view on God, actually. To think he's not even real in some cases or that he, he thinks things that he doesn't think towards us. And so at the moment, those seven mountains are influenced a lot by the enemy's lies. But as the seven mountains exist on earth, they already exist in heaven. And so really, that's where that scripture in uh, Matthew 6, 9 to 10, which says, okay, so it says, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. This is Jesus speaking, actually. And he said, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Hey, has anyone learned that one when they were young? <laughs> I did. But yeah, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So those seven mountains exist in heaven. And so it makes sense that those mountains are on earth, right? 
But it's our job to exert God's influence and show people his love and goodness. Eh? And so what we would do when we do that is we, we take control off Satan. We actually take control off him. And so that's what is going to happen. And we have an invitation to be part of that. And so two weeks ago, I gave an introduction and I spent that message was just introducing and why, where it all comes from and things like that. And then last week, I, I looked at the mountain of media and, and the mountain of family. And this week, I'm going to be looking at arts and entertainment and economy. So, you know, it's God's love, God's love for us that's generating all of this, actually. This, that's why this is, this is going to happen. So I'm going to talk about the mountain of arts and entertainment first. You know, and on this mountain, we see God as creator. We know that he is our creator, but he is creator. Okay? He created everything, and he's still creating even now. He's still creating. And we have been made in his image, haven't we? And in his likeness. So it would make sense that we can create too. We can create beautiful things that bring glory to God and show people his love. Prophetic things that show people the truth. Um, so God is, crea he is the creator. So it's on this mountain that the glory of God is shown through the creativity of his sons and daughters. And God loves it when we enjoy life and have fun. Do you know that the lie that the enemy promotes is that God wants us to be serious all the time because he doesn't want us to enjoy life and he certainly doesn't want us to have fun. So what strategy does Satan use? Well, this is what he does. He sells the lie that God does not want us to have fun. And that's built on the lie. So there's a bunch of lies here. It's built on the lie that God himself doesn't want to have fun because he's all serious and holy. And that lie is built on another lie that God is very busy cataloging all of our sin. And that keeps him very busy because he's busy writing everything down that we do wrong. But that's a lie of the enemy. <laughs> you know, the enemy wants art and entertainment, arts and entertainment, to be devoid of the life and the light of God. He wants it to be not there. Instead, he wants it to create, he, he uses arts and entertainment to pervert it and create bondage to bring darkness, hopelessness, and feelings of never being satisfied, actually. Now, there's a demonic principality over the mountain of arts and entertainment, and that's Jezebel. And Jezebel uh, is all about control, and, um, but there's more to it than that, though. The strategy he uses, that the Satan uses in the mountain of arts and entertainment is seduction, defilement, uh, compromise, and ultimately control. Okay? So I don't know if you know, some of you will know that Jezebel was the name of a pagan queen who married an, um, an, a king of Israel called Ahab. And she, her influence was extremely bad. She worshipped Baal, and, um, and so the, that was it, was, it was a time, it was a really bad time for Israel because she influenced Ahab 
to also worship Baal, and then that led to the entire nation of Israel worshiping Baal as well. And if you don't know what Baal is, that Baal is a, is a demonic thing that requires um, sacrifice um, and per sexual perversion and things like that as well. And so through, through, uh, through this particular thing, through that demonic um, principality, the enemy uses this mountain to present things that, which appear to be harmless but actually result in desensitization for starters. So over time, what once wouldn't have been accepted is now accepted. So if you think back in your life to say, let's just think of one example. Um, let's just say uh, music, popular music and music videos. What might have been acceptable back in the 1970s, for example, uh, in regards to what was, you know, how it was sung and, and the videos that went with that um, and what is shown today, it's vastly different. And today, pretty much anything can be videoed and then it is acceptable. Um, and it's, it's really changed. And so through the principality of Jezebel, the aim is to seduce those in arts and entertainment those that are performing for starters or those that create in those areas so that they compromise and distort the truth about what life-giving and creative art and entertainment is. So the enemy has a couple of aims. Um, one of the aims is to cause those who work in this area and those who, um, who are influenced by that area to, be, to, to compromise or to be seduced and be controlled. And then, because Satan is the father of lies and he, he's a, he hates, he, he doesn't have any love for people. In fact, he wants to destroy. And so ultimately, his goal then, once a person has uh, reached their point of usefulness, then he will work to destroy them because John 10.10 10 says, the thief comes to steal, to kill and destroy. Luckily, Jesus said, and it's not by luck, it's, it's just Jesus. He said, I've come to bring life in abundance. And so the second, the second aim of the enemy is to stop people knowing that God wants them to have fun and enjoy life. He actually does want us to. But the enemy's perverted it in a way that makes it end up being dissatisfying in the long run. So I just want you to remember, man is not the enemy, Satan's the enemy, okay? So, you know, bands and singers and dancers and artists and filmmakers and book writers and storytellers and comedians and sports players, um, designers, they're not the enemy. God's the enemy. Uh, not, no, he's not. Wipe that. <laughs> Satan is the enemy. God is the one that restores. <laughs> That was not... <laughs> you know, they might be enslaved by the enemy, but they may not realise it. And so, you know, we've got Jezebel over, over that mountain, but also, you know, God doesn't just leave that like that. God's got alternative here. He always has a host of heaven assigned to that as well and an angelic force assigned to that area too. And their purpose is to reveal God as creator. And through this mountain, it's to give all glory to God as the source of creativity. And there's angels specifically assigned to this mountain. 
So God loves to have fun and he enjoys us. He enjoys it when we have fun as well. He wants us to celebrate. In Psalm 16:11, it says, You will show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. And at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. That doesn't sound like a serious God that's cataloging all your sin, does it? <laughs> it sounds like a God who loves us and wants the best for us. And so, you know, God's creativity in heaven is superb. I've heard stories of people that have visited heaven and they've said that the streets are paved in gold. The streets are paved in gold. And uh, I told this joke um, in the last service, but, you know, there, I don't know who told me this, so I may not be saying it quite the right way, but I liked it. And, and it was this, that um, a rich man uh, died and went to heaven, but he t was able to take all of his gold with him. And when he arrived, Peter was there at the gate to welcome him. And he said, oh, oh, and, oh what have you brought with you? And he says, I brought all my gold. And he called out to some of the others, this guy's bought some more paving stones. <laughs> so God is a rich God. He's, so, he's got so much wealth and riches that the streets are actually paved in gold. There's so much beauty in heaven. And that's what God wants to see on earth. You know, our earth is still beautiful despite what sin's done to it. We've got amazing landscapes, beautiful, and New Zealand is a prime example, but there's beautiful places all around the world. But, you know, just the mountains and the hills and the forests and the ocean and the sunsets and the sunrises, it's beautiful. It's really beautiful. And, and then not only that, he's created animals. He's created beautiful birds and amazing animals and fish and all sorts of things. And they're all incredible, aren't they? And if, you know, if you think about, if, has anyone ever had a, an animal as a pet, like a bird or a dog or a cat? They bring joy, don't they? They really do. You know, heaven is a place that's full of joy. There is no sadness. There is nothing that isn't of God there at all. Can you imagine a life with absolutely zero stress and all you do is worship God and have fun? That's what it's going to be like in heaven. But God doesn't want us to just be hoping for that and waiting for that when we die. He wants us to experience life in abundance now. And we're, re we're coming into a new era of God's kingdom. And when we get hold of this as the body of Christ, this is, just, this is the beginning of something amazing that God's doing in the world. We're heaven will be on earth. Where what it's like in heaven will be on earth as well, just as Jesus said in Matthew 6. So heaven is a place where there's laughter, family and fun, and there's, his presence is there. You know, do you know that there's going to be places to go surfing in heaven, if you like surfing? There's going to be places to go and eat food with friends and family. There's going to be places to go to go walking. There's going to be places where you can drive in fast cars. There's places you can go to paint. 
That sounds cool. There's, pro- there's heaps of other things too. I'm, oh, this is, that's just a few. <laughs> and God loves us so much that he, it says in the Bible that I'm going, Jesus said, I'm going there to prepare a place for you. That means that they're working on it even now. So one of the ways that God's glory will be seen on us is through this mountain. And Isaiah 60, 1 to 3, and I'm going to read this because we might not have thought about this verse in this way before, but uh, Isaiah 60, 1 to 3 says, Arise, shine, for your light has come. And in the first uh, message I gave on this topic, there's a scripture that Jesus said, You are the salt of the earth, you are the light of the world. And it says here, Arise, shine, for your light has come. And the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. Verse 2, For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth and deep darkness the people, but the Lord will arise over you and his glory will be seen upon you. The Gentiles shall come to your light. The people that don't know God will come to you. And kings to the brightness of your rising. That's exciting. So glory is the unique presence of God. And on the mountain of arts and entertainment, God's love is shown through glory. So God's creativity inspires and lifts people up. And that's really how you you know. Satan can only make a counterfeit of this. So he's not a creator, actually. Satan can't create. He can only take and pervert. Take what's God's and then pervert it into something that's not good. And so through, um, he makes a counterfeit of this through seduction, lust, violence, perversion, and fear, and all of that ultimately leads to death. So through Satan's counterfeit arts and entertainment, it looks all shiny and delicious and juicy on the outside. Oh. But have you ever had an apple that looks really good and then you take a bite and it's yuck? Ever had that? I have. <laughs> it's yuck. But that's what Satan's done to arts and entertainment. He makes it all look attractive on the outside, delicious, and then you bite into it and it's yuck, horrible. You know, so in in arts and entertainment, just so you're not just thinking it's about music videos, as I said before, it can include music, it can include singing, it can include art, um, drama, storytelling, film, filmmaking, theatre, book writing, sports as well, which you might not have thought, dancing, cultural performance, um, fashion, even food can be an art, can't it? And so there's so, and that's just a small part of it. There's, there's got to be more. There's more than that. So the mountain of arts and entertainment should display God's love through our creativity. It should bring a sense of joy and pleasure at what's been created. And it should bring freedom and joy to those who behold that art or see that, that um, play or that theatre or watch that film um, or who are being entertained by a comedian. Okay? So God wants to pour his creativity through us. You know, we've all, we've all got some creativity in us. We all are. We've been made in God's image. That must mean that we have a capability to do something on every mountain, actually, and to some degree. 
We, we, we all have special giftings that would mean that we're better in some areas than others, but we've all got capability. So... You know, it's the truth that sets us free, John 8.31 says. And so for those who, whose assignment is in the mount of, mountain of arts and entertainment, and you might have an assignment in more than one mountain, remember, as I've said before, we need to intentionally operate with the opposite spirit of what is presently ruling in that mountain. Think and ponder uh, about who God is as creator. And then use this knowledge and apply it to how we, we use our giftings and talents. So first point is, and I've got a few points here, <clears throat> invest time getting to know God's creative side, to know his heart as creator so that you, your gifts and talents can reveal his love. Second thing is be aware that fun or entertainment that leaves us feeling hurt, fearful, disturbed, ashamed, Hopeless or dissatisfied, it originates from the kingdom of darkness and should be actively avoided, actually. So this type of art doesn't bring the life or light of God, art or entertainment. So when you do produce art or entertainment, ask yourself whether you're promoting the love of God through what you're doing. If not, what are you promoting? Is it life and freedom or bondage to darkness because it's one or the other? Another thing is be aware that on, in this mountain you have influence on lots of people, including people you might not know as well. So therefore you need to be aware of your lifestyle because you need to ensure that even your lifestyle promotes God's glory because many people observe us no matter whether we realize it or not, eh? and they're going to look at our life. There's nothing we can do about that. So remember that what we create and how we live our life is highly influential. So we need to pursue not only excellence with our talents and gifts, but also excellence of character as well, because they go together. So remember your aim should be to lift people's spirits up, um, even if it's indirectly showing people the truth of God's love, because anything else is counterfeit. So another point is that if you're offered a promotion of any kind, never allow the spirit of Jezebel to push you into compromising. Jezebel likes to control, whereas God, in God there is always freedom and God never forces. So that's, that's a good indication, actually. If you're feeling compelled or pushed, you know, that's not God. Um, Another point is go to God for fresh inspiration because God made everything after all. He's the master creator. <laughs> so go to him and, you know, the Holy Spirit will give you good ideas, amazing ideas. Always acknowledge God. This is the last point. Always acknowledge him and what you create, remembering that your talent and gift comes from him in the first place. And I, I, was, I heard that there's, there was a comedian... Um, over in the United States who did this, actually. He, he used this to, to... His comedy was cl clean but hilarious. And, and that is possible. You don't have to fill it with all sorts of defilement to make it funny. 
And so he was really well respected and liked, but he just he wouldn't talk about God really, but he did finish off every time and say, God bless. Thank you guys and God bless you. You know, and that in itself is a, is, is a witness, isn't it? So you don't need to be in their face about God. It's, it's about exuding God from who you are and what you do. All right. So we're going to move now into something slightly different, very different actually, and that's the mountain of economy. We're going to talk about that now. So on this mountain, God's our provider. And his love is displayed for us as riches in this mountain. And when this mountain is truly influenced by God as our provider, there will be no lack at all, but only abundance of resources and wealth. So what is the strategy Satan uses in this mountain? Well, he lies by saying that there's no point trusting God for provision or riches because um, God prefers that we're poor and he doesn't want us to prosper. <laughs> Anyone ever heard that before? He also promotes the lie that God doesn't care about us enough to want to provide what we need. And he also promotes the lie that God might provide a little bit here and there, but on the whole, we need to provide for ourselves. But God does love to provide for us, and he enjoys, he enjoys it. He enjoys providing um, for others through us as well. John, uh, 3 John 2 says, Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. And Deuteronomy 8.18 says, And you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth. So if God didn't want us to prosper, then why are those scriptures there? He does want us to. It makes complete sense. It would be, it would be the opposite of God to want us to be poor when he's so rich. Hey, if we're his children and he loves us, then he would want us to be blessed and provided for also. You know, Satan works to distort the truth that God is our provider. God's best for us is to trust God as provider for all our needs with an abundance of resources. In fact, more than enough. That's what he wants. He wants us to have overflow so that we can give. But the enemy wants us to either be extremely poor or to be desiring and craving wealth. And so he uses greed and the love of money to achieve this. So the main demonic strategy is the love of money, actually. And 1 Timothy 6, 9 to 10 says, But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and harmful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Now, there's a couple of things I want you to get out of here, out of this, these verses. First of all, those who desire to be rich. It's not those who are, are rich necessarily. So it's a, it's a, what that's saying is it's our motivation. Do we want to be wealthy because we want to be rich in, self, in a selfish way? Or is it because we want to be able to be blessed so that we can bless? The second one's a better one. The second thing is, it's the love of money that's the root of all kinds of evil. It's not money. Money is not evil. 
It's the love of money, because money can be used for good things and bad. It's all about the heart of the person that's using that money, right? So, you know, God, it, God says it's the love of money. It's when it becomes greed that overtakes a person. That is when it isn't good. So the, when the enemy's method of economy brings a person lots of wealth, and that does happen, so the enemy's method can bring plenty of wealth through greed and love of money, what happens with those people is it, it feeds their pride and desire for more because they also then believe that they're in control of their destiny, which is actually incorrect. So in other words, they're independent from God. They think that they have control. So that's one, that's one. But when, and, and also there's this, when the enemy's method of economy brings poverty and lack, a person feels fear and anxiety because maybe there's not enough money to pay the bills. And that can lead to panic and unwise decision-making. And so then they feel that they have to figure out the, decision, the, the, the solution themselves as well for that. So it can be on both ends of the spectrum. But when people instead live by God's kingdom of economy, it brings peace and strengthens our trust in God even more. Proverbs 10.22 says, The blessing of the Lord makes one rich, and he adds no sorrow with it. And this means that when we trust God as provider, we don't feel any sorrow, no fear, no anxiety, no selfish desire to get more. And so that was, uh, so back in Timothy 6 as well, it says the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil, for some, some, which some have strayed from their faith in their greediness, so there's that greedy word, and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. So, so there's that sorrows word again as well, eh? about the fear and anxiety and the panic, um, about trying to figure it out for yourself. So the principality of mammon, or greed, resides over this mountain. So mammon is mentioned in Matthew 6.24, and I'm going to go to that because there's a lot of amazing stuff in this whole chapter. So you'll notice before when I read out, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. By the way, this is Matthew 6, and you'll notice it's all in red, and that means it's Jesus speaking. So the entire chapter is Jesus speaking. And so earlier in the chapter, he'd given us an example of how to pray. And he'd said, start off by thanking me, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Thank me and praise, give praise to me. And then, then it says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So he's immediately saying, pray for the kingdom of earth to be as it is in heaven, the, you know. And then after that, it says, give us this day our daily bread. So after that, then we pray for our needs. Isn't interesting, eh? So in ch uh, chapter 6, again, verse 24, so a bit further, Jesus keeps continuing to talk there. Um, and in verse 24, he says, No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. You cannot serve God and greed. Therefore, the enemy is working to distort people's view of God and trusting him as provider to instead believe that money's the thing that we've got to trust in and that that will provide everything we need. But it's a lie from the enemy. 
So the enemy, again, is, is not people. It's, it's, it's uh, the kingdom of darkness and Satan. So even the people that are greedy and corrupt, um, they're not the enemy, although they might be pawns um, or unwitting pawns. So Satan is constantly trying to get people focused on money, stressed out about money. Anyone ever been stressed out about money? I have. <laughs> worried about money? Anyone ever been worried about money? Yep, yep. Afraid of losing money? What about that one? Wanting more money? <laughs> so the enemy wants those who work in the mountain of economy to be overtaken by greed and the love of money, or he wants us to settle in poverty. He doesn't care which one. Either one's fine for him because both are steal, steal from us. Eh? So their assignment, the, the uh, sorry, um, where am I up to? So even, so what, no matter how the enemy does it, his goal is to blind people, okay? So he wants to blind them from seeing that if they trust God, he will provide for them abundantly and without an agenda. God doesn't have an agenda. Like, I'll give you this if you do this for me. He doesn't do that. Because people, but people that sometimes have an agenda, it's an evil motive, right? And so that isn't good and that isn't from God. And so, again, the principality is mammon, but there's also an angelic force behind that as well, where their assignment is to restore the view of God as provider for us. So, on the mountain of economy, God's love is shown as extravagant generosity and provision. So our assignment is to reveal God as our provider, who is extravagant in generosity to all the people in every area that they need finances. So God desires to fund more than just church and ministry needs. He's interested in every part of your life. Hey, he really is. He's interested in helping us fund our homes. He wants us to, he wants to be able to fund going to the zoo with our kids. He wants to be able to fund the cost of getting married, which can be very expensive. Um, he also wants to fund everything that needs to be funded, actually. And so he's extravagantly generous. And um, Brownie talked about that in the, when he was taking up the tides. You know, when there's a promise in Malachi that says, prove me now. I'll open up for you the windows of heaven and pour out such blessing that you have not room enough to receive it. Have you ever received such blessing you don't have enough room for it? No. <laughs> Stop giving. I can't take any more. <laughs> But that, that is how God is. And so we just need to take that step and trust his word and God will provide. So what do we need to do? We just need to trust him as our provider. That's faith. That's what faith is. It's confidence that God will do what he says he will do. Trust him. Go to him for what we need and also include him in decisions that relate to money and business. So he wants us to grow and prosper and he wants us to overflow with blessing. Deuteronomy 28 describes the blessings of obedience to God and also the curses of disobedience. But when Jesus came and died for us, he redeemed us from those curses. But the blessings weren't removed. The blessings remain. 
and Deuteronomy 28, 1 to 14 describes those blessings. But verse 2, I'm just going to focus on one of those verses. It says, and all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you. Have you ever been overtaken by blessing? (laughs) And why is that? Because you obey the voice of the Lord your God. That sounds generous. That sounds like a God who's pretty generous to me. So, you know, trusting God for provision brings peace, actually. So when we know that God's providing for us, then we would have a sense of peace, eh? Because we don't have worry. We're not worrying about or fearful about it. We don't have to worry about how to pay for this and that because we know and trust God as our provider. So in Matthew 6, it's really interesting, even beyond that verse, those verses I've read out, um, immediately after Jesus said we can't serve both God and mammon, he also goes on to say we shouldn't worry about tomorrow's needs because he, God knows what we need. And he will provide them if we trust them. So I'm just going to read a little bit of that out. He says, first of all, he says, you cannot serve God and mammon. So that was that verse. And then immediately he said, therefore, I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. In other words, your clothing. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? And look at the birds of the air because they don't sow sow or reap, but God provides for them. And and he keeps... explaining that and then in verse 31 he says therefore do not worry saying what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear for after all these things the Gentiles seek in other words everybody needs all those things for your heavenly father knows what that you need all these things he knows that this is the key seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added to you So what what does that mean? First of all, you can't serve God and mammon. So you've got to, might as well choose God. Second thing, don't worry about your needs because God's got it. He's got it in hand and he's a generous God. And thirdly, the key is to seek first the kingdom and his righteousness. So for those of you who are assigned to the mountain of economy, and I'd say we all are to a certain degree, we're all all uh, receive an income of some kind. Remember, we need to intentionally operate with the opposite spirit of what is presently ruling in that mountain, the opposite spirit. So gaining wealth for selfish reasons should not be the goal. Instead, we need to have a desire to express God's love and goodness um, via generosity and the funding of kingdom solutions. So first of all, trust God to generously provide for you. And if that means meditating on scripture until it's really in your heart, then do it. God's currency is trust. That's what his currency is. And uh, Satan's currency is greed and fear. So if you find yourself more frequently in feeling fear or greed, then you need to meditate on scripture because you're you're not in the right place in here. So, second thing is make a conscious effort to be generous without an agenda. Matthew twenty five twenty nine, um, in that verse, Jesus said, "For to everyone who has, more will be given, 
and he will have abundance, but from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away. So the kingdom, God's kingdom economy defies logic, actually, which is a good thing. His ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And so we're used to, we've been raised in the world's economy, but when we get a revelation of God's economy, it's going to set us free, actually. If we, if we trust God as generous provider and are wise and generous with what he provides, he will provide more. Therefore, be a river of blessing, not a dam accumulating wealth for selfish reasons. Second, uh, third thing is be a good steward over your talent and over your resources. So, and, and over what God blesses you with. Okay, so be a good steward. So that means using wisdom. And also, this is another point, don't do a job you hate for too long. Don't, don't do a job you hate. I've had jobs where I hated it. Couldn't stand it. Ten minutes after starting time, be looking at my watch thinking, where's morning tea? I'd be like, oh, man, what a boring job. Ever had a job like that? Has anyone else ever had a job like that? I've had more than one like that, actually, now that I think about it. So don't do a job you hate for too long because that's not God's best for you. You know, our job or our business is, is often our ministry, actually. So it should be something we're passionate about, a place where we can release God's love and blessing and goodness. So if you haven't found it yet, keep looking and ask the Holy Spirit for wisdom and guidance on that and for opportunities. Uh, Last few points, remember that with God all things are possible, and that's in Matthew 19, 26. You know, all things are possible. So he will provide, and he, he will, even in the most trying financial situations. No problem is too hard for God, and he has a solution for everything. There's never been one single moment where God says, wow, I didn't see that coming. I didn't expect John to have such difficult financial situation that I don't know what to do. So, so God will never do that. Um, and the sec- next point is include God in every financial decision you make. So obey his promptings, even if it seems to be illogical, because God does things differently. And his economy is about radical giving and obedience to his prompting. So all, and this is the last point, always remember to acknowledge the source of your provision. Always remember to thank God and have a thankful heart. And so that is what I have to say to you about the kingdom, the mountain of um, economy. Now I do have three more areas that I want to cover, but... um, so, but I won't be doing that next week. It'll be, it'll be soon, okay? So uh, I'm going to keep going. The three other areas that I still need to cover are religion, education, and government. And I plan to do that really soon in the next few weeks, okay? So I just wanted to... Um, I'll pray, and then Brownie's going to come up and, and um, have a little bit of a chat to you too, and we can open up for a time of ministry with ministry team's welcome to come and help us with that. Father, thank you, Lord, for your blessing. Thank you for your provision. Thank you for your love. 
thank you, Father God, Lord, that you, Lord, love us so much that you want us to be able to tap into your economy. You want us to tap into the way that you see the mountain of arts and entertainment and all the other mountains um, going, Lord. And so, Father, we thank you, Lord, that you're revealing things to us. And, Lord, I pray, Father God, for if you've given any person in here any Holy Spirit-inspired ideas or promptings to act on something that they've thought of ages ago, Lord, I pray, Father God, that you just really settle that in their heart in Jesus' name and continue to show them the next steps toward that in Jesus' name. Father, I speak life and blessing over, over these people now in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord.